things opposed to each other, but they are not. Like an actor who is with all attributes, now a beggar, then a king, then a minister, with various attributes. In his own nature, he is free from the beggar, king and minister. Because even when he is acting as a beggar, the beggar is something that is superimposed upon the actor. It is not the actor has become the beggar, actor manifests as beggar. So this beggar, minister, king, all of these can be called vijnanam, the various expressions, the manifestations of the actor, who himself is devoid of the idea of the beggar, a minister, a king. So also Ishvara, in his true nature, is devoid of any attributes, whatever. But at the same, one who is devoid of all the attributes can nevertheless assume many attributes. Like the crystal, which is devoid of any color, which is transparent, colorless, can assume any color, or can appear to assume any color, that is placed, you know, of the object that is placed beside that. So crystal appearing with various colors we call vijnanam. Crystal, in its own true nature, which is transparent, colorless, is jnanam. And same crystal appearing in various hues and colors we call vijnanam. Just the, the, to use the words. The idea is that all the colors are superimposed upon the crystal. The crystal, even when it appears orange, does not become orange. Crystal appears orange. Then may appear of a different color, whatever. Similarly also, everything is orange. You know, so. <laughs> Similarly, Ishwara, who is himself devoid of all the attributes, names, forms and attributes. Because understand that a name, form and attribute means limitation. When there is any one attribute, a person is great, then he is not small. When he is good, he is not bad. When he is red, he is not blue. The idea is that attribute means limitation. A form means limitation. A name means limitation because that is all it is and nothing else. If Ishvara has to be limitless, then he cannot be confined to a form, cannot be confined to a name, cannot be confined to an attribute. That means one who is in all names and forms and attributes, at the same time one who transcends the names and forms and attributes. Example of crystal is very clear. The crystal that is in all the colors, at the same time, it transcends the colors. Like an actor is in all the various roles, at the same time, transcends the roles. The relationship between the two, relationship between an actor and a beggar is one of satyam and mithya. We can say that the beggar is mithya. Appears to be beggar, but not really a beggar. The color of the crystal is mithya. Crystal appears to be orange, but it is not orange. So that which appears to be there, but that is not really there, is called mithya. And so also Ishwara appears to have all these names and forms and attributes and varieties and diversities and disparities. But this is an appearance, not an ultimate reality. Appearance can always be negated, can be dismissed, can be let go. 
that is real can never be negated, can never let, let go. In case of crystal, the colors can be let go. When one color comes, other color is not there. Each color displaces other color. But no color can displace the crystal. In case of an actor, the king will displace the beggar. And the minister may displace the king also. But none of them can displace the actor. Because they are there on account of the actor. Lord Krishna himself will say all of this. You know, so, but what is being described now, in order for us to understand that all there is is Ishvara, we should understand in what way, whatever is Ishvara in what way. If Ishvara ultimately is beyond all limitations, and has to be, truth has to be free from all limitations, otherwise it cannot be truth. Truth cannot be limited in time, that it is true only in the morning, and then it is different in the evening, then it cannot be truth. It cannot be limited in the place that is truth here and not out there. Truth has to be free from any conditioning. It's called unconditional. And thus, Ishwara has to be unconditional. Meaning, not limited to time, place or any conditions. And that can be very pervades all time, place and conditions also. Meaning that time, place and conditions are not apart from Ishwara, but Ishwara is apart from them. Just as a beggar and king and minister are not apart from the actor, but the actor is apart from them. The B is equal to A, but A is not equal to B. The snake is not apart from the rope, the rope is independent of the snake. If this is understood, then you have no difficulty in understanding Saguna Brahma and Nirguna Brahma. There is no problem at all. Because rope is snake also. At the same time, it transcends the snake. And so, same Ishwara, without losing his limitlessness, without compromising his limitlessness, appears to be limited. Thus, all limitations are appearance of same Ishwara. If limitations were real, then Ishwara has become real, uh, limited, which cannot be, and therefore all limitations are apparent, called Mithya. This is how Vedanta explains non-duality of Ishwara. There is only Ishwara and nothing else in this way. There is only the rope and nothing else. Only actor, nothing else. Only Ishwara, nothing else, because whatever else is there is an appearance. Is what we call in a dhyaropa superimposition. <coughs> this is what Lord Krishna wants to explain. And in to explaining that, first of all we are ex, we are told how this whole universe also is nothing but the manifestation of Ishvara. As we said yesterday, the universe consists of just two entities, subject and object. Subject is a conscious being. Object Whatever can be objectified is always inert. So Lord Krishna says there are these two prakritis, apara-prakriti and para-prakriti. The lower prakriti, the higher prakriti. Prakriti can be translated as nature. It can be translated also as power. So these are two powers of mind, two-fold powers of mind, the material as well as spiritual or the material as well as the conscious. Because that's what the universe consists of. Therefore, my apara prakriti 
of the lower prakriti, the lower power, the lower energy if you want to call it, is manifest in eightfold manner. So universe can be understood as made up of these eight aspects. The five elements which explain the whole gross universe as well as my gross body, then the mind, then the intellect and the ego. So when Lord Krishna used the word ahankara here, so bhumirapo nanovayukham manaha buddhi ahankara. What is meant by ahankara is what is aham vritti. So manas, mind also is a, is a form of thought. Buddhi, intellect also is a form of thought. Ahankara also is a kind of thought. So, just for the sake of convenience, what we call antahkaranam or inner organ is only, is only classified in this three way. That our own, what is called mind in English, mind performs various functions. One is the function of feeling, at that time it is called manas. Function of knowing, then it is called buddhi. And the function of asserting, ayinas. It is called ahankara. All of these three are the states of mind, understand? Manaha, buddhi, ahankara. We can call them vrittis. We can call them kind of thoughts. A vritti or thought is nothing but a state of mind. So when my mind is in a state of feeling, emotions, deliberating, doubting, we call it manas. When it is knowing, deciding, determining, we call it buddhi. When it is experiencing sense of I, I, then we call it ahankara. So ahankara there also means a vritti and aham vritti. Just for your information again, all the vrittis or all the thoughts in our mind can be divided into two also. Aham vritti and idam vritti. The I thought and every other thought. So in our mind itself there are two parts. One part is the subject part, other is the object part. One part is the aham part, other is the idam part. The I and this. So one aspect of mind is I, aham vritti. That is why sometimes we find ourselves watching our own thoughts. Sometimes we find ourselves talking to ourselves. So who is talking to whom? I find myself catching myself, I caught myself napping, you know. I caught myself, you know. How can I catch myself? I can always catch somebody else, something else. But it is true that I caught myself because the aham vritti is I and the one that I caught is idam vritti, the other thought. Was napping, was the idam thought. The other thought, the manas, the buddhi. Aham is the subject and manaha buddhi are the object. So our mind itself consists of these two kinds of thoughts. The I thought and the this thought. The whole world, objective world, is perceived by me. It all results into what we call this thought. The tree thought, the the clock thought, the book thought, or the happy thought, unhappy thought. These are all thoughts, which are what we call idam or this thought. And there is someone who knows it all. Someone knows that this is a happy thought, unhappy thought, tree thought, clock thought. Who knows that? It is ahamvritti. 
That is the hankara we call it, ahamrutti. That is the one that knows, that is what the kartru do worship, enjoy worship, no worship. All of this is in ahamrutti. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, all of this is my manifestation. This is mine. My prakriti. The five elements, which includes the entire universe, as well as my body, plus the mind, plus the intellect, all of this is what we call the objective world, and aham, which is a subjective world. Again, for those who are studying Vedanta, it can be technically said that this is all what we call avidya vishaya, the object of avidya. Aham is the ashraya of the avidya. Aham is the ashraya, the very basis or locus of ignorance. All of these are the objects of ignorance. So Lord Krishna says, both of them I am. So, this eightfold prakriti is mine, and then one that enlivens is prakriti, because prakriti or the matter is inert. But we find our body to be alive. Our mind, sense organs, intellect, all of these are alive. They are all there as a conscious. There is something that imparts consciousness to them. There is something that imparts sentiency to them. What is that? That is what we call the higher prakriti. So, prakriti vidyame param, para prakriti is higher prakriti, jiva bhuta, that's called jiva. That's called the conscious being. So, when you use the word conscious being, what we mean is the jiva, the one that is manifesting himself through this body-mind complex. <coughs> and that is what gives sentiency to this body-mind complex. <coughs> Another comparison can be given is that of the sun reflecting in a bucket of water. So there is sun that reflects in bucket of water. There is bucket, there is water, and there is a reflection. The bucket can be compared to the gross body. The water can be compared to the mind and intellect. And the reflection is the jiva. That is, the one that is being reflected is sun. He is above all of this, but then what we experience here is that our body, mind, and the reflected consciousness. Consciousness reflected in the ahamrutti is called jiva. So, I mean, who is this jiva? The consciousness reflected in the ahankara ahamrutti, the eye thought. Then that eye thought becomes enlivened, in turn enlivens the other thoughts, and they in turn enliven the sense organs in the body. That's how successively this consciousness is, is transmitted. First the consciousness becomes reflected in the I thought. That's the subtlest thought. From the I thought then it is transmitted to the other thoughts and then to the body. And that's how this whole personality becomes sentient, becomes live. <coughs> so this is how Lord Krishna explains that the object also I am the subject, the conscious being, there is consciousness reflected in eye thought, which is what we call jiva bhutam, jivatma, or what we call the ego, the jiva, the samsari, there is also my expression, there is my para prakriti, there is my higher power or the higher manifestation. The lower manifestation, higher manifestation. Yayedam dharyate jagata, by which this whole universe is sustained. Who sustains the whole universe? The conscious being sustains the whole universe. 
And that is further explained in the next verse, in the sixth verse. Etat yoni nibhutani Sarvani tyupadharaya Aham krasnasya jagataha Prabhavav pralayastatha Etat yoni sarvani bhutani it is Upadhara. Here, you know, Upadhara, please understand. Please understand this. Sarvani, Bhutani, all the beings. All the beings include here the sentient as well as insentient. Whatever that is in this creation, any name and form. Edadyonini has these two prakrutis as a yoni, as a cause. So, para prakruti and a para prakruti. The conscious as well as the spirit as well as the matter, I just use the word spirit in terms of, that's the, generally the pair that's used, but spirit means consciousness. So reflected consciousness and matter, these two in fact make up all the beings. So look at our own self. We are a combination or union of these two aspects. One is the material aspect, other is the consciousness aspect. Our body, sense organs, mind, intellect, even the eye thought, all of these are inert. And we have the reflected consciousness that enlivens the whole body-mind complex and that is how we have what we call the life. Just as a bulb. In the bulb also we see the union of these two, the filament and electricity and thus we have what we call the light. Here also the filament is like this body-mind complex. Electricity is like the consciousness reflected in that, and that's how we have the manifestation of life. This sometimes they call Purusha and Prakriti. The words are used Purusha and Prakriti. The person and personality. The conscious being, the consciousness and the, the matter, the Upadhi. So person and the personality, the actor and the costume. In the 13th chapter, Lord Krishna is Kshetragnya and Kshetra. These different words I use. Kshetragnya, the subject. Kshetra, the object. In short, everything is a combination of, a combination of subject and object. The consciousness and matter, both of these combine to become this universe. <coughs> matter alone is not sufficient because matter is uh, matter, is inert. It requires always an intelligent principle to form it. So we have the lump of clay. The lump of clay cannot form into a part by itself. You require intelligence to be able to form it into a part. Thus we say that a part is an intelligent creation, which is, which serves a certain purpose. Thus in a part also we see intelligence, that it has certain shape to serve a certain purpose. So how your part, for example, is a product of the union of the clay as well as the intelligence of the part maker. So part maker is the conscious being, the intelligent being, and the clay is the inner thing. The communion of the two results into what we call a part, a name and form. So Eta Dhyuni Bhutani, as you understand that both these prakritis, 
the para-prakriti, the apara-prakriti, the matter as well as spirit, both of these are present everywhere. Whatever it is, is a union of these two. In this sense, we say that Ishvara is everywhere because these two prakritis are nothing but the manifestation of Ishvara. So Ishvara manifests as the para-prakriti and para-prakriti, as the object as well as subject. And everything is the union of these two, the matter as well as spirit. <coughs> and that way, but this is what we would see. But Swami, how do you, you mean there is this, there is intelligence in this table also? It's understandable that in the living beings, the consciousness is there, and the man material vestures are also there. But where is consciousness in table, Swamiji? Where is consciousness in this all inner thing? Is the consciousness there? The answer is, this consciousness is there also. So if there is t- consciousness in the table, then how come it doesn't respond to me? This was then just, you know, to draw your attention. How does it not respond to me? Well, the manifestation of consciousness varies depending upon the medium of manifestation. Just as electricity manifests as light through a bulb, and manifests as heat through a heater, and as coal through a refrigerator, so the manifestations of electricity vary depending upon the appliance or medium of manifestation. So also the manifestations of Ishvara vary depending upon the the, the medium of manifestation. So what we call the living beings are those who have a subtle body in them. This is a gross body as well as subtle body. This manaha, this man, manas, buddhi and ahankar that forms what we call the subtle body. And subtle body has this nature that it reflects the consciousness, becomes enlivened and there we have what we call the life. <coughs> Whereas in the rocks and other what we call the inner things, there is no subtle body. Therefore, there Ishwara does not manifest as life. But understand that the manifestations are different. Not that Ishwara is present in one place and not in another place. So, what we call inert objects do not have subtle, they don't have a mind. They don't have an intellect. They don't have a subtle body. Therefore, Ishwara's manifestation through that name and form is only in the form of existence, Sat. Sat, Chit and Ananda, that's the nature of Ishwara. What we call the inert objects merely manifest the Sat aspect of Ishwara. The Sat and Chit, both of them become manifest then in, in such things as, as plants and trees and, and you know, insects and other fo- lower forms of life, and such chitananda, they become manifest in a human being. As the evolution goes, the manifestation of such ananda becomes more and more evident. So the chit and ananda, the manifestation becomes more and more clear as the organism evolves, and human being is the most evolved organism. Therefore, the manifestation of all such chit and ananda is the highest. It is not complete. We have to make it complete. The Sat is manifest that I am. Chit is manifest that I am conscious. But Ananda, that I am happy, is something that we have to do. So we have the potential of the manifestation of Ananda. And if you undertake a process of self-growth, then that Ananda also becomes manifest. 
That part we have to do. The sudden chit part Ishvara has done, God has done. But then, as far as manifestation of Ananda is concerned, that's what we have to do. That is what the process called self-growth. <coughs> but same Satchit Ananda, which is what we call Ishvara or consciousness, is manifest in every name and form. Thus, there cannot be an object which doesn't have existence. Without existence, this cannot be. See, these three objects, as you know, has a three aspects. It is a name, it is a form, flower, it is a name, flower. This flower is. So flower displays existence. The flower is cognizable, meaning flower can become the object of my cognition. Flower has the capability of becoming object of my cognition. So what's the big deal, Swamiji? That is big deal. Because horns on my head do not have the capability of becoming object of my cognition, understand? The horns on my head, even if they are there, nobody knows them. Because they cannot be cognized, they don't have cognizability. The flower has existence, it has cognizability, it has attraction. Everything has an inherent attraction. Everything has cognizability as well as inherent attraction. So, Swami, what is so attractive about this flower? It's just so gone, you know. So what is attractive about it? That calls for a certain mind, I guess, you know, for to be attracted to this flower. Maybe an ant may be attracted. Maybe a bee may be attracted. Maybe some insect may be attracted. Or maybe an artist may be attracted also. Somebody who has some aesthetic sense might be attracted to this. A photographer can take a picture of his flower and display before you in such a way that it will be just fantastic, you know. So, wow, what is this? <laughs> just this flower. Mm-hmm. All you need is somebody to take a picture and frame it. Or take this flower itself and put a frame in, in the background and then display it. <coughs> we need somebody to show us the beauty, that's all. Only when an artist draws something, then we go, oh, mountains are so beautiful. When a photographer takes a picture of their Mount Kaila, wow! When you and I go there, we may not find that, but when he shows us, <laughs> it is there. One has to cultivate the faculty to see it. Attractiveness is there, beauty is there, harmony is there, ananda is there. Meaning that each object has the capability of giving us happiness, if we are ready. So, an object exists, it is cognized, it can be cognized, and it is attractiveness. It is, is kosat, cognizable, is chit, its attractiveness is love, or prema, or ananda. And thus, every name and form has sat, chit, asti, bhati, priyam. Sat, chit, ananda. That's called consciousness. So what do we mean by consciousness? When we use the word consciousness, what do we mean? Not a state of mind, but this principle, asti bhati priyam. It's called consciousness, awareness, brahman, or whatever other word we use, asti bhati priyam. It's called satyam, jnanam, anantam, brahman. That's how Upanishad defines brahman as satyam, jnanam, anantam. Satyam, that which always is. Jnanam, that which always reveals, shines. 
Anandam, that is always limitless. That is Ishwara. And that alone is manifest through every name and form, regardless of what the name and form is, without exception. Ishavasim, idam sarvam, yatkinja, jagatyam, jagat. In the universe, whatever it is, is pervaded by Ishwara. As asti, bhati, priyam. Every name and form is blessed by asti, bhati, priyam. Edadyonini bhutani sarvani idu upadhara. Arjuna understand this. Sarvani, all the beings, sentient or insentient, all of these are, they display a combination of both paraprakriti and aparaprakriti. The name and form, aparaprakriti. The asti bhati prem manifest in that is the paraprakriti. Aham krishna se jagadaha prabhavaha pralayastatha. In this manner, Lord Krishna says, I, the Ishvara, is Krishna of entire universe, Prabhavaha, I am the origin, Pralayaha, I am the place of dissolution. Meaning that the whole universe emerges from me and it dissolves back into me. Meaning that it is also sustained by me. The whole universe emerges from me, is sustained by me, it dissolves back into me. And I am just the cause of the entire universe. As a para prakriti, as lower prakriti, as eightfold material manifestation, it is called the material cause. As a para prakriti, as a reflected consciousness, it is called the efficient cause. <coughs> How Ishwara is called the material cause and efficient cause. As the very name and form, which is a matter, it is a material cause. And as asti bhadi reflected in there, it is the efficient cause. Thus that intelligence is everywhere. In a pot also, there is intelligence. In flower also, there is intelligence. Because there are only so many petals and not more. Such and such color and not a different color. This shape and not some other shape. Thus every atom manifests intelligence. Everything that there is, many, every little insect, Every plant, every cockroach, every mosquito, whatever that is, even a unicellular organism re- represents or manifests intelligence. Swami said, it manifests the omniscience. You call it the omniscience, the knowledge. Intelligence or knowledge is manifest everywhere. <coughs> so Ishwar Darshan, thus Lord Krishna says, how, how to see Ishwara everywhere? So we, how to see Ishwara everywhere? Every name and form. It is, there is intelligence there. There is knowledge. Number Swami is such a miserable fellow. He is, I hate him. Suppose we leave that idea, you know. The only thing that prevents us from seeing Ishvara is his hating. Attachment and aversion, that is what actually prevents us from seeing Ishvara. Moment I see something or somebody, immediately there is a reaction in me. I hate him. I love him. One of the two. But both of them make me sort of narrow-minded, you know, and then makes, prevents me from seeing the total picture. It doesn't matter, suppose it doesn't matter what the person is. Swami, how is he dressed? What does it matter? See how he talks? Doesn't matter. Look at his, how he looks. How he behaves. Suppose it did not matter at all. How it tastes, how it smells, suppose it doesn't matter. Suppose. Number Swami, how can you say that? Look at him, he's, he's a criminal. Suppose he did not. He's a terrorist. Suppose it did not matter. How can it not matter? Suppose it does not matter. 
Suppose you are watching a play, there is terrorism there, will it matter to you? You are watching a movie, Fahrenheit, 9-11, whatever it is, and all kinds of stuff is there. You know, it's all, all, it's all play, it's all drama, it's all mitya, is it not so? If you understand that the whole combination of parayana para prakriti, the matter and spirit is nothing but mitya, it is an appearance of Ishvara. If he comes as a beggar, I hate the beggar. Comes as a king, I love the king. But both are mitya. What matters is the one who is acting. That is satyam. So what is the names and forms are just the vehicles for manifestation. There can be a bulb which is only a 25 watt bulb and a 500 watt bulb and therefore one is bright, one is dull. Doesn't matter, electricity is the same. So what is meant by vairagya or objectivity is if I can be indifferent to the expression and I can focus my attention on what is there. Not being cheated by or not being distracted by how it appears, but I am focused upon what it is that appears. That's all Vedanta wants us to do. We are so preoccupied with, because we give so much reality to name and form, is natural. It's natural to give reality to what we see and think that what we see alone is real. But no, what we see may not be real. I see a snake there, it may not be real. What is there is rope. No, but Swamiji, this rope is miserable, you know. It looks like snake. That's okay, it's an appearance. It is called Leela. It is called a play. You see, call it manifestation. Call it glory of the rope that appears a snake and to somebody rope appears as a garland. To somebody it appears a snake, to somebody it appears a stick. Different imaginations. Some glory to the rope. Don't hate the rope because it appears a snake. It's an appearance. And don't love the rope because it appears as a garland. That is also an appearance. Suppose we can create a distance between with the appearance. Suppose. So you can imagine what kind of mind is required to do that. When we are watching a play, as you will watch Saturday evening, there will be all these children coming in different kinds of costumes. And even though on the stage there is a, uh, I don't know what play they are going to stage this time, but anyway, suppose there is an Arjuna, there is Yudhishthira. I don't see Yudhishthira, I see only my son there. Arjuna, I see my friend there. So in my mind, there is already a distance created between what is Mithya and Satyam. That Arjuna is Mithya, my son is Satyam. If I know the Mithya is Mithya, I have no difficulty in letting it go. If Mithya is taken with Satyam, I cannot let it go. The only reason why we can't let go things is because they are real for us. And what is real is missed. In the process of giving reality to what is false, what is real is missed. What is important is missed, and what is insignificant has become so significant. So what is called objectivity? What does it matter? In what form? What wrapper? Wrapper doesn't matter. Children fight for wrappers. So when we give them the candies, no, I want that one. The same stuff, but it's yellow. I want yellow. Somebody wants red, somebody wants green. So they'll reach out inside. Spend five minutes to pull out that. Same stuff, but such a commit such a preoccupation the wrapper. This is all a wrapper, you know, that's all it is. What manifests is important. And that is Ishwar. That's what Lord Krishna says in the next verse, says here. 
ಮತ್ತಿದಸ್ತಿಧನಂಜಯಿಧಂಪ್ರೋತಂ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದೂರ್ಣಂಪ್ಲೀಟ್ effect also is complete purnameva avashishyate what there is is nothing but completeness wholeness that wholeness alone is called ishvara that alone is called asti bhati priyam that is called satchit ananda and various other things vijnanam anandam brahma so many words are used why so many words are used because some day some word will appeal to us depending upon our own frame of mind if in our own mood some today it clicks this tatva bodha i listen so many times but today yeah because the mind is being prepared you know we cannot escape the preparation of mind we expose ourselves to teaching it has to have an impact whatever impact it has and then some day a word becomes very meaningful to me someday shiva means oh yes i understand what it is so therefore so many words are used which all mean the same actually nitya shuddha buddha mukta satyam jnana manam not that these are all different attributes of ishvara each one of them means ishvara but so many words are used to approach the same thing from different standpoints matta param there is nothing other than i call it krishna call it rama call it shiva call it devi call it what you will what was called brahman in the vedic times in the puranic times same thing came to be called by these different names so rama krishna shiva ganesha devi so each one of them becomes a gateway ultimately all these different forms are given to us they become the gateway to ultimately reach the limitless <coughs> so matta parataram na therefore to say that this bhagavad gita whenever lord krishna uses the word i that means only lord krishna meaning the son of devaki and you know that would not be right this i means ishvara and all there is is ishvara mattah parataram kinchid nanyat nothing else kinchid whatever nothing else whatever is there beside me all that is i 
ऐसावास्य उपनिषद से ईशावास्यम इदम सर्वम यत्किंच जगत्याम जगत इन दिस यूनिवर्स वॉट एवर दर इज इज नथिंग बट ईश्वर देर कैन नॉट बी अ विजन दैट इज नोबलर देन दिस नो वेयर कैन वी एवर सी दिस नो एक्सेप्शन विदाउट एक्सेप्शन वॉट एवर इज ईश्वर स्वामी यू मीन द रावण ऑल्सो इज देर एंड कुंभकर्ण दिस पीपल ऑल्सो ईश्वर वी हैव टू एक्सेप्ट इट वी हैव एक्सेप्ट दिस स्टेटमेंट सो द क्वेश्चन स्वामी यू ब्रह्मन इन द टेरिस्ट ऑल्सो इन टेरिस्ट ऑल्सो इफ ईश्वर इज एवरीवेयर देन वाई डज इन स्टॉप दिस यू मीन दैट ईश्वर इज देर इन दैरिस्ट ऑल्सो इन अ सीफ ऑल्सो इन अ मर्डर वाई डज इन स्टॉप इट So since we want Ishwara to be certain such, therefore the questions are that how come he doesn't know what I expect him to do? Either I can retain my impression of Ishwara and expect Ishwara to be certain, or I can change my impression to to agree with this. One of the two. So when we say say that the Shastra is the Pramana, the Scripture is Pramana, meaning the valid means of knowledge. what it means that i should drop my opinions to understand what it says when we say eyes are the pramanam pramanam means the valid means of knowledge to reveal color if my eyes tell me this orange color my mind says i can't be how can it be orange it has to be yellow i think it has to be white suppose it says that or suppose that is my preconceived notion that what a swami wears is always yellow swami's can never wear orange suppose or swami is always wearing nothing else suppose And you see a Swami wearing something else. There are Swamis who do that, you know, because in certain ashrams there are Swamis who wear orange until nine o'clock in the morning, and after six o'clock in the evening. Between nine and six, they are like other people. They are civilians wearing uh, jeans and stuff like that because then they are working. Oh, working Swami. That's the kind of custom they have. Everybody has to work. And so. How can there be Swami in jeans or whatever you want to say, you know? But he is a Swami. Now you change your thought. Not that you expect that your thought alone should find its, you know, validation. But then, similarly, Lord Krishna says, whatever it is, Ishwar. Either I can question and say this is wrong, or I can question or investigate my own right conclusions that I have about Ishwar. so this text would be treated as pramanam as valid means of knowledge this ko shraddha shraddha means an implicit faith that there is no reason why what is said here has to be wrong he has no agenda no extra grind he is just revealing the truth i have my own opinion the problem with vedanta and with physical science is that as far as physical science are concerned we have no opinions i am open With reference to law of gravity, I have no opinion. With reference to physical world, I have no opinion in the sense that whatever science says, I am very objective about it because no preconceived notion as to what a flower should be or what an atom should be, whatever anything should be. When it comes to world, I have an opinion how it is. When it comes to Ishvara, I have an opinion. When it comes to myself, I have an opinion. That is why this becomes difficult because we not only have opinion, strong opinion. and that has formed the basis of our life so far i have been living based on these beliefs and opinions you mean this is wrong what i did so far is all wrong it cannot be so this has to be wrong 
But what we mean by Shraddha, the kind of benefit of doubt that we give to the eyes, when my eyes tell me there's orange, I accept it as orange. I don't quarrel. So also when Bhagavad Gita says everything is Ishwar, I accept it. Not swallow it. But then I apply my mind to understand how can it be so? How can there be God in a terrace? How can it be? But that is why Lord Krishna did everything, you know. He was everything. He was a thief also. You know that? He was stealing butter. He even stole away the clothes of this gopi. So, just to demonstrate that God can be a thief, in thief also there can be God, because he did everything. He fought battles also. And all kinds of people, a lot of complaints about Lord Krishna's conduct in the Mahabharata battle. Swamiji, why did he do this? <laughs> he did everything. That God, everywhere God is, you know. Everything is in God. He is not in anything. That, that same will be revealed subsequently also. So, Matta Paratram. Krishna means what? Krishna stands for Krishna. Krushi bhu vachaka shabda nasya nirvuti vachaka. Krush means to be. Na means ananda. Tayuvarikyam sadananda. Krishna means satchidananda. By the name itself suggests. Lord Krishna says, there is nothing other than me. Nothing other than satchit ananda. Nothing other than ananda or wholeness. Upanishad says, ananda jeva khalvimani bhutani jayante. Anandena jatani jivanti. Anandam prayanti. Abhisam vishanti. From Ananda, the wholeness, all the universe is born. By that, it is sustained. Unto that, it goes back. How can it be for us to say? So now, what is meant by Anukula Chintanam? The appropriate way of thinking is, take that statement and try to understand rather than try to question that. That will require me to look at things in a different way. I have a certain way of looking at things and that is how I have drawn all these conclusions. Now maybe I need to change my way of looking. But Swami, if God is in terrorist, why doesn't he stop it? Because we want God to do certain things. We don't want certain things. Are all my Ragadvesha is telling me. <coughs> and says we want God to be our servant <coughs> and do what we want him to do. But terrorist tells him to do something else. What will God do? Who, who will he listen to? Like this man, this, this, you know, he has two daughters. One is married to a farmer, other is married to a brick, you know, baker, what do you call it? The, uh, a, a brick, uh, not brick layer, but a, a, a brick maker, you know. <coughs> so, uh, once, once this father said, let me visit my daughters, see how they are doing. And so first he went to, uh, the daughter was married to the farmer. How are you doing? Well, we are doing very well. Now we have already prepared our field and we have sown the seed. All we are now waiting for rain. Father, please pray that rain should come. Okay. Then he went to meet the other daughter. How are you? Everything is wonderful, Father. We have just, you know, baked all the bricks. They are all laid out now for drying in the sun. So now with the clouds are there. Father, please pray. Please pray that there should be no rain for the next seven days. So what will he do? Everybody has different prescriptions of God. If he tries to do that, this world will come to an end in one minute. You try to order the world of yourself and you find that you cannot improve. This is manifestation of omniscience. 
of the of the infinite intelligence wisdom this is how it is and you try to apply your intelligence like swamiji try to do to see if we can improve this human body and then he said well this nose seems to be in the wrong place you know because every time somebody sneezes all the bacteria come here somebody smokes all the smoke comes here very wrong in wrong place let us put it in a different place and so he thought that we can put it on the head then the smoke goes up there you know all the bacteria will go away and that will be wonderful that's nice until swami ji one had to once was invited and swami ji take coffee but there are coffee and tea and everything everything looks alike you know so which one should i take take a cup of oh, this coffee okay then he thought in the in the nose in the top how will he do that you don't know what you're eating and so if you think about it you will find that you cannot improve this is called omniscient that's all knowing it is the infinite wisdom that is manifesting itself at every moment and ourselves also is manifesting no doubt but swami do you mean that we should not change anything change if you want to if you think it should change okay but more we think about it more we find that whatever it is is in order and there is a reason why everything is there i'm not suggesting there should be terrorism i'm not suggesting at all i'm not saying there should be criminals or thieves etc but all i'm saying is that perhaps everybody has a role to play in this universe i don't in the game of the universe everybody has a role to play everybody has some contribution to make otherwise if we had our way there will be no snakes and there will be no scorpions there will be no tigers there will be no lions you know because all threat to us they let the world be free from all the poison uh, ivies you know there will be nothing okay there must be some reason why it is there only botanist can tell us what poison ivy does i do not know but then there must be some reason if there is no reason it cannot exist and therefore leave everything alone recognize that everything is in order so therefore the the immediate manifestation of ishvara is asti bhadi prem is that everything is in order if you want to change something do that without without complaining and without blaming do what you need to do suppose you are watching a movie and there there is somebody planning to murder somebody and then you, know, you see <laughs> the music is there and this for the poor thing immediately 911 come on come quickly the murder is going to take place do you call the police you don't call the police why so why is the movie is mithya so when you know the mithya is mithya there is no need to change is it not so if the murder was different from the one who is murdered then the question of murdering comes isn't it lord krishna says there is nothing other than me if murder i am the one who is murdered also is i that means he is murdering himself that's all it means what does it mean it means that this is just a play is it not so when you understand this ultimately it is an appearance it is play and therefore it doesn't matter what it is what matters is the truth but somebody looks upon rope as a snake doesn't matter because just because you look upon it as a snake doesn't change it doesn't become the snake it's all mithya and therefore from the standpoint of the ultimate truth doesn't matter what the form and name is what matters is content what does it matter what the wrapper is what matters is what the content is mattah paratram nanyat kinchidasti nanyat kin nothing whatever is there other than me 
There is no material cause other than me, no efficient cause other than me, there is no effect other than me, there is nothing other than me. All it is, is I. This is called non-duality, one without a second. Mai saramidam prodam sutre maniganaiva To show us now how he is present everywhere. In next few verses, Lord Krishna demonstrates how he is present everywhere. That I pervade everything, I sustain everything. As you said, this name and form is sustained by asti, bhati, priyam. This part is sustained by clay. The effect is sustained by cause. I am the cause. I am the material cause of everything. I sustain the entire universe. Sutre maniganaiva. Like cluster of beads in a string, manigana. Mani means the beads. Gana means cluster. Maniganaya, the cluster of beads are sustained by a string. Lord Krishna says, I am like the string, sustaining the entire universe, just as a string sustains the cluster of beads. So when there is a string, or a thread, which sustains its beads, then there is a very beautiful, harmonious arrangement, which is what we call a, a, a mala. If that Trade was not there, all the beads would be scattered away. There will be no harmony, no order at all. So what provides the whole cluster of beads, what provides it the beauty, the harmony, the order? It is that thread. And so also the entire universe of names and forms is enjoy the harmony. That is why we say that the whole universe is like an organic whole. It is not, it looks like it is an assembly of disparate things, but it is not. Just as my body is an organic whole, even though the limbs are many, the organs are many, each has its own name and form and function, and still all of these are informed by oneself. And so also the whole universe is informed by oneself. Lord Krishna says, I'm the self of the whole universe. Just as the self in my body sustains the entire body. Because there is one eye, whether it is earlobe, or fingerprints, or the toe, or the tip. Wherever, in every cell, there is one eye that provides, that makes this assembly an organic whole. So also the whole universe is an organic whole, sustained by one self. Lord Krishna says, I am the very self of the whole universe, sustaining the entire universe, like a string sustaining a cluster of beads. It is I who provides the harmony. It is I because of it there is an order. There is a harmony in the entire universe. That is why everything is interconnected. There is nothing that is isolated, nothing that is unconnected. It is not an accident that we are a part of the whole universe. We are not an isolated being. And nothing can be isolated because it is one organic whole. Like all the millions of cells in my body, all of these are interconnected. And so also, whatever the universe is interconnected, interdependent, and thus makes one organic whole sustained by one self. Lord Krishna says, I am the self that sustains the whole universe. That gives meaning, that gives existence to everything. Is I am present, that is why a thing is, that's why it shines, that is why it is attraction. So why are the objects of all attractive? Why do they attract us? Because God is, Lord is present there. What is attractive about this body? Why am I my body? Why am I so attracted to it? Or to another person or to anything? Why am I attracted? That is the reason. Because 
ईश्वरा अस्ति भाति प्रेम इज प्रेजेंट दैट अनफॉर्चुनेट वी थिंक दैट इट इज अ नेम एंड फॉर्म दैट्स वॉट वी हैंग ऑन टू वी थिंक दैट इज नेम एंड फॉर्म दट इज अट्रैक्टिंग मी वट इज अट्रैक्टिंग मी इज द सेल्फ अस्ति भाति प्रियम वंस इट गोज अवे देन वॉट इफ दैट गोज अवे फ्रॉम दिस बॉडी एज बड़ा स्वामी जिस से एच एच स्वामी सो एंड सो यू नो His holiness Swami becomes his hollowness. That's what he becomes, you know. Once that goes away, and later on he becomes his heaviness because you carry him, you know. So what? Make, then nobody wants it. Remove it. Come on, cremate it. So far we are uh, we are doing so much, you know, so much attraction. Anyway. No more attraction at all. Because what provides attraction is the presence of Ishvara, and thus he is present everywhere. that which provides existence that provides the awareness the intelligence attractiveness mai sarvam prodam sutre maninaiva just as the whole cloth is woven in the thread the warp and the woof how the threads make up the whole cloth and so so the whole cloth of the universe with the thread from which the whole universe is woven just as the cloth is woven from the cotton thread so also What is it from which the whole universe is woven? Lord Krishna, says, I am that very thread from which the whole universe is woven. It's a very beautiful embroidery. The whole universe is like a beautiful embroidery. How in the olden days they used to make embroideries with hand, not on the machines. One thing about that embroidery was that if you pull out the thing, the whole thing becomes dismantled. You know. So many sisters may have this experience. They spend days and weeks and weeks together making a beautiful embroidery. See, it is an embroidery, very beautiful design, made from one thread, and there is a beautiful garden there, and there are some trees, and there are some hills at the back, and the sun is rising, and there are a few deers, and the birds are flying, and there are a few people walking, and there is water in the lake, and very beautiful embroidery. About to be finished, and this this girl. Has left and she has gone for some chore and left this piece of embroidery here on a table, with a thread hanging out. And the little brother comes crawling, you know, and he finds the thread and he pulls it. Hey, it comes out, and he's very interested. He starts pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. Now the deer is gone, the man is gone, the birds are gone, the tree is gone. the water is gone the hills are gone the sun is gone poor girl before she comes back everything is gone where did it go where did it come from it came from that thread it has gone back to the thread the thread can say that i am the ishvara i pervade the entire universe of this embroidery in that embroidery there can be a man who is sentient there are hills which are insentient But sentient insentients are the expression of the same thread in the embroidery, and so also this whole universe is like an embroidery with one thread, and that is Lord Krishna's. I am that thread. Ishwar is a thread, and he informs everything. He sustains everything. He is the very self, the very essence of everything. <clears throat> Just keep contemplating on that, not on the wrapper, on what is in the wrapper. Not on this name and form. What is in what manifests through the name and form? Recognize that a name and form is just a vehicle for the manifestation of Ishvara. 
asti bhati priyam that self call it self call it harmony call it order call it beauty call it wholeness call it love call it ananda everything is a manif- medium of manifestation and thus mai sarvam pro all of this is woven into me all of this is threaded into me and the very thread from which the embroidery is made the very thread that sustains the cluster of beads which provides it a harmony provides it the beauty so the harmony which is there the beauty whatever there is in this world lord krishna says it is my expression <clears throat> so in these verses so far lord krishna explained this gnanam who am i his various manifestations will be told now in subsequent verses you can call it vignanam the various expressions of him <clears throat> we'll see that in the next class om purnamadah purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaya purnamevavashashyade om shanti 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 hari om shri 